Oh, 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 what a save. Oh, shit. What's all kicking off? Oh, Oh, God, it's all kicking off here. Good morning, whenever you're listening to us, it's the Game Time Podcast. Going back to a two-man pod, me and Ryan on this one, to talk Premier League. Potentially, Ryan said he'd kick off if something happens in the Champions League, but we're not talking about Champions League and some managerial comings and goings, or possible comings and goings. Ryan, how are you doing? Oh, hello there. How are you? (laughs) I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, I sounded incredibly forced. Um... (laughs) We don't script this show at all. (laughs) <laughs> I'm good mate, how, how are you doing? Yes, not too bad, not too bad, thank you very much Recovering from whatever Sunday's mini heart attack of Sheffield United versus Man United threw up But we'll talk about that a little bit later uh, Should we start with Spurs? Because as we did last week, talk about big Jose Mourinho coming in They won first game in charge And he won his second game in charge Though a little bit more hard work than that What, what did you make of the win against West Ham? You nearly threw it away yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it was interesting. Like in terms of like how we played, we played really, really well for the first hour, and they didn't really. West Ham. I mean, like obviously, like you said, he's won his first two games in charge. Like I've been thinking about this for the last like day or two. Like I think he's done like the bare minimum that people expected him to do in terms of like West Ham are quite poor at the minute, so like mm. probably should be beating them at the minute. Even like obviously we're not doing great. Like, but I'd, I'd argue we're doing better than West Ham. Yeah, played well for 60 minutes in that game. Like, looked to really have them on the ropes. And then, obviously, let a sort of like a fairly scrappy-ish goal like come back, which was the um, the Antonio goal, where we didn't seem to be able to clear the ball properly. And then, obviously, the last goal, yeah, they scored in the last minute, but obviously the game was pretty much done by then. But, yeah, it was um, one of those games where, like, realistically, we could have been about 5-0 up by about the hour mark, but we just made hard work of it. Um, and as for last night, well... Like I say, we were very, very poor for the first half. Uh, but then encouraging to see us come back so strongly, I don't think that would have happened maybe if Pochettino would have still been there because I feel like that's the sort of result we've been having for most of this season. Like we'll go one or two down and it'll just get worse. So quite happy to see us bounce back from it. But yeah, it's um, it's an interesting one at the minute. I think, like I say, we haven't played anyone like majorly good yet. So the jury's still out, but yeah, can't argue at the minute. Um, did you have any opinions on terms of like the West Ham game or the Olympiacos game? I don't know if you've seen any of them. Uh, I thought the piece of skill from Deli Alley was absolutely top-notch after falling on his ass. So I just took it back yeah. to Hume Win Sun. Very, um, very clever play from him. He looks like, and I, I don't want to say this because I feel like it's probably going to be said across millions of podcasts, but I know it's only been two games. He was very poor in the Olympiacos game until he scored and then looked all right. But he was very good against West Ham. And I think Mourinho looks like he's probably going to get the best out of Deli Alley because there was a point where, was it like sort of latter end of last season, early part of this season, Deli just didn't look at the races at all. 
Yeah, I think he he got a fairly significant muscle injury. I remember it was towards the like just after Christmas last year. I mean, we played Fulham, and he's uh, at Fulham, which up until Saturday, ironically, was our last away win in the league. Um, that was back in January. <laughs> um, so yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so yeah, we've got the um, obviously he he went he was out in there. I remember he scored in that game, and then he pulled up with like a, he was either a hamstring or like a calf injury so he came back and he didn't probably I, I don't I think it's fair to say he didn't look fully fit mm. like when he came back towards the back end of last year I mean apart from the sort of like a decent-ish performance in the Ajax second leg like he's probably most well known for the setting up the Lucas Moura goal like the third goal he didn't really have a good end to the season and he didn't start the season very well either and I think it's quite telling the fact that, like I say, a lot of people have mentioned about Reno. One of the first things one of my Chelsea supporting friends from home said was, um, oh, Ali's going to become a world beater again now because Mourinho likes to work with like a number 10. So, yeah, it's good to see him coming back to some sort of form. But like I say, it's still a long way to go. But at the minute, it's I'm encouraged enough in terms of like the last game or two. But um, yeah, it's nice to see him actually get back to some sort of formal fitness, I suppose. It's not even the uh, it's not even the players on the pitch that Mourinho's having an effect on. He's having an effect on the ball boys as well. You see how quickly that ball boy threw the ball to Serge Aurier to get that breakaway in the Olympiacos game. It's actually yeah, it's one of those things where like, a lot of people have mentioned it, and like I say, it's become like sort of like a bit of a light-hearted thing. But like, I feel like that's something you could you should actually give like serious credit for yeah. <laughs> the fact that the guy's actually sort of like gone and had the presence to go. Oh, okay, yeah. If we get this going again, they're massively outnumbered. So yeah, it was it was actually quite. Good to see, and obviously, like it's another one of those things where I think Mourinho's on a bit of a PR mm. hype at the minute in terms of trying to win fans over because I feel like he's starting from a bit of a maybe a negative position in terms of like obviously Pochettino was so well liked, and um, obviously he this has got the Chelsea connection, so it's nice to see him trying to win people over by sort of doing the old um, sort of like oh well done and going up to shake his hand and stuff. So yeah, that was it's quite nice, but yeah, in, in all seriousness, very quick thinking. Yeah, uh, apologise as well for throwing Eric Dyer under the bus after what half an hour to substitute him. Yeah, but again, like it was one of those things where like he had to bring someone off because it clearly wasn't working, and it just happened to be Dyer. I mean, it could have been anyone. In fairness, they were all playing like absolute turds in the first um, sort of like half an hour. And I do think that if Vertonghen would have been playing, I think it probably would have been Rose to come off, and then Vertonghen would have probably moved over to left back. Because um, one thing I have noticed, obviously, it's a bit annoying the fact that Ben Davis looks like he's going to be out for a while now. Like this, he was in a had a protective boot on on Tuesday, but like I was reading something about how Mourinho set Tottenham up against West Ham, and it's almost like playing a back three, but including Davis as a centre back, oh. like when we have the ball. So it's sort of like one of the things instead of both fullbacks bombing forward, which is like quite a Pochettino thing. Um, Davis is basically not allowed to cross a halfway line, but Aurier could just bomb forward at any point. So like it was sort of like a lopsided back four in a way, and that looked like it looked quite promising actually for a while in terms of like the the game West like the West Ham game. We were playing sort of like uh, you got to the point where we were playing about five up front because you had like obviously the traditional four. You've got like Kane, Ali, Son, and Lucas, and then Aurier would join in as well. So you'd have like a fifth, and it was like obviously that's where we got most of our sort of joy against the West Ham defence in the first sort of 60 minutes or so. So that was quite good to see. But obviously that might now take a back seat in terms of tactic because obviously Rose likes to get forward. And obviously you've got, um, I mean, potentially there was talk that we were talking about this the other day or heard people talking about it the other day 
that Vertonghen could come back and then play as like a, a left back in inverted commas because then obviously he just moved to centre back. So that could be a potential thing. And it's good to see like San Marino maybe changing stuff up rather than just sort of going with what was the thing, what was the target before. So yeah, interesting developments and obviously keep an eye on that as we go forward because we've got Bournemouth on Saturday. So that won't be easy. But oh, the only thing I'm clinging to, the only, only positive I'm clinging to is um, we have never con- even conceded a goal against Bournemouth when they've been the away team so far in the Premier League. So that's quite yeah. good in terms of like an, an omen because like I looked at the results the other day and we, we've beaten 3 0. 4-0, 1-0 and 5-0 over the course of the last few years. So hopefully that will continue on Saturday. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> Absolute goal bonanza. Um, one thing I wanted to mention as well, Aurier, um, I wanted to pick up on that because I feel like a lot of mistakes he's made are defensively, but going forward, he's pretty bloody solid. So do you think Mourinho's seen that and gone, we're going to keep you as far away from our goal as physically possible. Just go and attack as much as you want. And then we'll accommodate it by slipping someone else into essentially a back three when you go forward. I think, yeah, that's partly the reason. Also, I think the other reason is the fact that we've pretty much got no one else to play there. Fair. I mean, <laughs> not, much, not much has been seen of Walker Peters since he, he started the season off okay, but then sort of had some sort of injury against Newcastle back in August. And I've not really seen his name be mentioned at all since then. So obviously we're looking at potentially a long layoff there or he's sort of currently in rehab for the injury he did have. Um, and then after that, you've got maybe playing Juan Foyth there who has been sort of like trained as the right back before. So Aurier at the minute is probably the best of the situation in terms of like he's the only player we really have to play there. But yeah, he like I, said, I can't fault him at the minute. I can't fault him for his sort of like the way he's played in the first two games and hopefully that'll continue at least until Christmas, until potentially we could look at getting someone else in. Um, so, but yeah, like I say, he's doing all right in the minute. And I've always been convinced that he's a good attacking fullback. But like you say, with defending, that's always been a problem. So, again, if we can keep him as far away as possible, that will probably help us out. But um, yeah, like I say, can't, can't argue. One thing I was a bit concerned about is terms of when he scored the third goal on Tuesday, he seems to sort of be a bit, it looked a little bit pissed off at the crowd. I think he's been made a scapegoat for the last like year or so and he sort of like he stood in front of the crowd with his fingers in his ears and he sort of like then afterwards told him what it looked like on camera to sort of shut up so I can see why he's getting annoyed but like that's obviously not probably the best way to endear yourself but yeah <laughs> I, can, I can see why he's getting pissed off though because like I say he's he's been the person that's been on the sort of the receiving end of most of the stick in the last like few few like year or like, at least like year or so i tell you who hasn't been getting a lot of stick. Harry Kane, we'll probably have to talk about him. Breaking a record fastest player to 20 Champions League goals, did it in 24 games, breaking Alessandro Del Piero's record of 26 games. It's unbelievable, to be fair. When you, when you look at that and you think Spurs not historically, I know last season you made it to the Champions League final, Spurs not historically a Champions League club or a good one at like that. The fact that he's managed to put goals away for fun and against some of the teams you've played, you've not had easy groups, I don't believe. I mean, you played, what, you had Dortmund, you played Juventus in the knockout stages. Like Maybe this is probably yeah. your, easiest, your easiest group, but it's pretty impressive, no? Yeah, I think, again, it's one of those things where like, whenever something gets talked about Kane, it always comes with a caveat of like, I don't know, people always seem to be quite 
keen to put him down in a way. Like there was obviously the the big or one of the one of the key stats that was mentioned before to do with him was um <clears throat> when he broke the Alan Shearer's record for scoring goals in like a calendar year, mm. which was like I think back in twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen. And a lot of people were sort of saying, Oh yeah, but it's not a proper record though, is it? And it's like, well, it still shows that he scores a lot of goals. Like it might not be like the best thing in the world or like the most like recognizable thing. Obviously you get golden boots with that sort of stuff usually, which again, he's got a couple of those as well. So, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's just like, it, it is quite easy. And like a couple of people, again, I saw last night saying like, it got mentioned about him getting the quickest to 20 Champions League goals. And it's like, yeah, but he doesn't get a medal for that. It's like, yeah, but you can still appreciate the, like the rate in which he's scoring. Like you said, we've played over the course of the sort of, so the last, we've the first time, in the sort of like the Pochettino era, I suppose you could call it, we qualified for the Champions League was 2016. And in that time, like I say, we've played Juventus, Real Madrid, Dortmund a couple of times, Barcelona, um, Inter Milan, so teams like that. And then obviously we have had a couple of maybe easier games against like CSK and Moscow, um, obviously Olympiacos, Red Star, not the strongest. But yeah, like I say, the fact that he's scoring the goals, because again, one of the things that was always criticised from him was like, oh, he won't be able to do it in Europe. So it's like, yeah, it's nice to see him actually sort of, I don't know, shutting people up. But then again, I've said this before, like if you've got to this stage in his career and you're still sort of like arguing that he's not good, then you really need to sort of like get your head out of your own arse really. Because like, <laughs> even if you are an Arsenal fan or whatever, like you you can't deny it at this point. It would like be like me denying that Aubameyang's a really good striker. Like it's, it's obviously it. It's like, you just got to accept it. Yeah. Like don't, don't put your, don't hide your sort of like your actual beliefs just because he plays for a team you don't like. Yeah, no, no, I com- completely agree with you. And I guess only one man that could um, could rival him for for that sort of claim of best striker in the world. I mean, Robert Lewandowski, despite the fact he gets older, he seems to get better. He broke another record. Four goals against um, uh, Zvezda as Bayern went absolutely mental. But both very, very good forwards. And I'd love to see... Kane emulate the sort of Lewandowski route because Lewandowski is a, is a fantastic striker and is still scoring goals and I think the way Kane plays he'll still be scoring goals well into his 30s Oh yeah yeah definitely like I said and, and I think Lewandowski at the minute in terms of you look at his like the start he's made in the Bundesliga as well I think Lewandowski is the best like, best, like out and out striker in the world at the minute <laughs> and on current form but I don't think there's much of an argument against that like obviously the problem with even though Messi and Ronaldo have been great for so long like they're not actually strikers, really. Yeah. Like, I mean, Ronaldo like started off as a winger. Obviously, Messi plays as like a centre forward. I, what I mean by out and out striker is like someone that will, like will play up front, will hold the ball up, will like bring others into play, but then obviously put more chances away than they miss. And I think, like they said, Lewandowski is in the class of his own at the minute. And I'm so glad, especially during the halftime break yesterday, that we actually pulled the result out because if we had to go to Bayern to get a result, mm. like obviously now we can go there maybe sort of like experiment a little bit or maybe just rest a couple of first teamers. Obviously you've got the Christmas period coming up. I'm really glad that we don't have to go there looking for something because the way Lewandowski's on at the minute, like him and like Nabry, they'll both be looking at trying to get hat tricks again. Like they did last time. Yeah, that was um I almost forgot about that. I didn't even mention it, you brought it up so yeah that was a, <laughs> a bit of a dicking. Um right, let's let's move away from from Spurs and, and let's move on to the United's the better United in terms of Sheffield probably would feel hard done by that they only came out with a draw. But likewise, Man United probably frustrated that it only ended a draw, bearing when they came back from two goals down. Did you manage to catch any of the game? It was um, 
not to sound weird, frightfully exciting. It was, yeah. I, I watched um, pretty much the whole game. I think I missed the first about 20 minutes, but then I turned it on just to see um, the first goal. So obviously I saw like, all the important stuff. And I mean, there was a period from, I don't know about you, obviously from being your perspective, it was probably like the United of old, so to speak, mm. um, like that 11 or eight minute period, whatever it was, where like, they just seemed to like just absolutely burst through um, the sort of like the completely like overwhelmed Sheffield United. It was like something out of like the Fergie era. It does, um, it did sort of like bring back sort of horrible memories for me personally in terms of like, I've seen it happen to, against my team before. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was a very interesting game. Um, I'd like to get your opinion in terms of what I heard Gary Neville say, which was up until the 70th minute, United had been, and I believe this is a direct quote, an absolute embarrassment. Yeah. And I'd like to see how far you agree with that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would 100% agree with that. United were really, really poor. I think that first half is the worst I've ever seen us play. And don't take anything away from Sheffield United because Sheffield United didn't just turn up and, and we were awful and they just sort of got lucky. They played very, very well. But we couldn't string two passes together. Phil Jones was everywhere on the pitch, but not in a good way. It just looked... <laughs> It just looked horrendous. And and I remember I was sitting there watching it and I was saying to, so I can't even remember who I was watching it with now, I was saying, we're not going to score. Manchester United will not score unless something completely changes. And what completely changed was the fact that our 19-year-old left wing back took a, a ball dropping onto his foot and then rifling into the bottom corner like he was prime R9. And then all of a sudden, tails went up and we looked fine. But yeah, for 70 minutes, it was just... It was just disgustingly poor all round. We just didn't look like we wanted to be there. And that, I think, I can't remember who mentioned it, but someone's mentioned it on this pod before. I don't know if it was you or Tom or Tim, but United sometimes just don't look up for games. Like, they just can't be bothered. And it looked like that for 70 minutes. But bloody Ollie McBurney. <laughs> um, also, from a personal point of view, I'm, I'm quite glad that that wasn't this loud. I felt like it was yeah. going to be this loud. And I feel like there wasn't enough in it to really warrant it being not given. Yeah. So, yeah, I am quite pleased in terms of that. Like, it's not, it would have been harsh, I think, but um, for the goal not to be given. But yeah, like I say, I, I think overall, I think probably Sheffield not, it could feel hard done by, but they'll be happy with the point by the end, like I say, because to go from that position and be that on top, like it was, like you said, it was almost like comical how bad Man United were. Like sort of, it was. you had like a front a front three or four, and they didn't seem like they'd ever played with each other ever before. Like it was literally like one of those. It was like those um, sort of like games, you know, like where you just pick random people from. Almost <laughs> like you get like oh, on FIFA, you just get like a random eleven like playing yeah. together, and it's like, do you even know each other? <laughs> and um, like say so you had like Jones. Obviously, Jones like got a lot of stick for that first goal, like the where you got no shot off the ball. I do think that was a bit of a foul. I'm gonna be honest. Like when I looked at, it, I thought I'm surprised he's not giving that as a foul there. Um, but um, yeah, like I say, Sheffield United they just seemed more up for it. And obviously, like I say, the the passing seemed smoother. I mean, the second goal was really well taken as well by Musa. Oh yeah, um, that was sort of a very good um, finish. But yeah, I do feel like though. Sheffield United didn't help themselves in terms of like when they went 2-0 up rather than pushing for like a third goal which I think was well within reach by like the 50th minute 60th minute they just seemed to get a bit complacent mm. like even just like the passing and stuff like they were just they weren't sending as many men up for corners they weren't sort of like 
being as smooth as they could do in like the passing. And I think that helped leaving letting United in. Obviously, like the the Williams goal was very well taken, but like I don't know. I just feel like they they felt a, they fell a little bit off the pace, and then United sort of took advantage of that in due course. But um, yeah, I think all, all credit to United, like I say, for that, making that comeback. It um, it shows that they're still capable of it, but um, it's too few and far between. I think at the minute, isn't it, for your liking anyway? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, it just seems like that that performance comes once every three games or once every four games, and that's not where it should be. And interesting that you picked up on the fact that Sheffield United looked different when they went 2-0 up as well, because before that point, it genuinely seemed like they had more players on the pitch. Every single pass that United tried to make, there were two players there already. And, and I thought, there is no way that we're going to get through this. And then they went 2-0 up, and then all of a sudden it's like, it's that old mentality of, okay, we've got to protect what we've got now. And that little drop back a little bit just opens up a bit of space for the likes of Rashford. You see it for, for the second goal, for Mason Greenwood's goal, where on the edge of the box, United put two or three passes together and then Rashford's just allowed to dink it into the box. And then for the third goal, where they just get in behind down the wing. And it just seemed like Sheffield United, then when they went behind, were like, oh, fuck, all right, let's just play again normally. And then cause United problems again. So... It was a weird old game. One thing I want to pick up, though, Dan James. Now, I know that this is probably going to be very um, complimentary from me, but so I'm not going to do most of the talking, I'll ask you. But for £15 million and the way he's performed this season, do you think he's up there with some of the signings of the season so far? Um, I'm going to say no. Hmm. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say no because... Again, he is a bit too much of what I'd like to call a loose cannon in right. terms of like, when I do see him play, and admittedly, it's not as often as you, so you probably have a more well-rounded opinion of him. Um, I do feel like sometimes he's got a bit of the, what I'd like to call the Adama Traores about him. Yeah. Which is, he's rapid, No, get, don't get me wrong. And like I say, he does, he can produce moments of sort of quality in patches. But I think it is a little bit too few and far between. Like for for someone who, oh yeah, fair enough, he only costs fifteen million quid, which is actually quite a bargain in the sort of like today's market. You could probably say, but it's just more of a case of like I don't know. I, I think if he wasn't playing at Man United, he might not be seen as favor as favorably. If you know what I mean? Yeah. So like because he's playing at United, okay, maybe he's getting a little bit more in terms of like. People are teams are sitting off United a little bit and giving them space or whatever. And the, or if they play on the counter attack, it makes him look better because obviously he can run in behind, etc. But I don't think in terms of if we're going to go sign into the scene, I'm not sure if we could put him on there. But only if the only argument you could say is probably like say value for money. But um, so what you're I'm assuming you have a different opinion to that. So I'd like to hear that in in that case. I, I only asked the question because I think he'd sneak on there for me, and only because. Everything good that Manchester United do seems to come through him. And I don't think that's a potentially a good thing. But for a 22-year-old kid who's made the move from the Championship to the Premier League and been thrust almost immediately into the first team at Manchester United, he looks so comfortable. Every single pass he seems to make seems to do something. Every single run in behind seems to create something. And I just think he's looked... He looks very, very at home. And, and quite funnily enough, you mentioned that Adama Traore about him. He has near identical stats this season to Adama Traore. 13 <laughs> games, 
13 games, three goals, three assists. Adama Traore, one game less and one goal less, but the same assist. So, yeah, you've nailed it on. Also, while we're on top of your Adama Traore, he has dreads now. He had a buzz cut like two weeks ago, and now he's got dreads. World's fastest growing hair. <laughs> he's a fast man all round. Um, but before we move on from that, as we said, Sheffield United deserve a lot of credit, especially that Lise Mousset second goal. Very, very well played from John Fleck to find the pass and a really good finish. Um, Chris Wilder, after the game, said he wasn't going to say anything bad about his players because they played really well. And and fair play to them. They're, they're fifth in the Premier League. Fifth. Yeah, I, I think, again, like going back to what you said about Mousset, especially David McGoldrick, I feel like the reason why United were allowed to get back in the game was because both of them went off, got subbed off. Like Mousset was in, an enforced sub. Um, they was he seen like he went down with a cramp or an injury, and I do feel like they lost a bit of like, especially like when they United were trying to play out from the back, like you said earlier. Like United had a little bit more time because Musa wasn't there to press them as high. But obviously, yeah. you bring Billy Sharp on, and Billy Sharp is like a good finisher, but like not necessarily the quickest in terms of like getting out to press the ball, etc. So yeah, I think there was definitely a, an element of like they lost a little bit when. Musay went off and then when McGoldrick went off because he just looked McGoldrick just looked pure knackered I think he'd been running around for like 75 minutes um, so yeah I, I think like I say there's a lot of credit to be given to Sheffield United especially like I said we went to see um, went to watch the Sheffield United game the um, the Spurs game which obviously turned out to be Pochettino's last game in charge and like there was definitely an element from the crowd certain people in the crowd saying oh we should be beating these lot and it's like, well, actually, no, because they're a very good team. And obviously I knew that because I saw them in the championship and stuff. But even I've been sort of surprised by how well they've adapted. But I knew there was always going to be an element of like, you know, um, I suppose you could say like element of surprise because in terms of like, they play a different style in terms of like the back three and obviously the centre-backs that have been talked about a fair amount. But yeah, I do think like in terms of their the way they play at the minute and the way they sort of go and hound teams as a group, like it definitely is a testament to them in terms of their um, sort of like their attitude like I say coming up from the championship with very little in terms of like investment like very only like a few championship probably level players you could say mm. so um, yeah yeah like I say I'm, I'm happy for them and I hope it um, sort of continues really hope it's uh, one of those things that they they get enough points to stay up and then see where it goes like I say they could be looking at, even if they carry on like this like top half finish which would be um, obviously very very positive for them in their first year back because obviously last year uh, last time sorry, there's a bit of resentment from Sheffield United fans obviously the way they got relegated last time which was the West Ham Carlos Tevez affair um, so yeah yeah I'm looking forward to it looking forward to how the season gets on me too I also lied to you they're sixth I forgot that Wolves won so Wolves are fifth oh, they, actually play, they actually play each other this weekend so maybe I'm foreseeing the future and Sheffield United will win and uh, jump into fifth place Right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's Terrible Tens times. It was a good week last week for some. This episode is sponsored by Kangaroo Jack Fitness, personal training that goes above and beyond to get the best results for you. Right, welcome back from the break. Ryan, get the notepad out. It's Terrible Tens time. Right, okay, lads, we ready for some predictions then? Don't all scream at once. We've got our customary Northampton Town game. So parched. Terrible ten. What what happened last week? Um, Well, just before that, on the topic of notepads, it's about to be notepads plural soon because I'm nearly run out of this one. 
But um, so yeah, this is coming to end of the first volume. Um, last week, so rustling of the paper, um, Tom had what can be described as an absolute shitter. Um, <laughs> the problem with being professionally in Canada is the fact that obviously the time difference really screws you over. Um, <laughs> and also he had what was can only described as a political amount of jet lag. Um, <laughs> so unfortunately, Tom forgot to get his on in on time. And uh, as we discussed um, privately in the group chat the other day, that because um, Tim had floated the idea of, oh, if anyone forgets, then they should be able to, instead of putting no predictions at all, they just get 10 nil-nil draws. But as I said before, I'm not rewarding failure at any point in this. <laughs> so if you don't get it in, that's your problem. Um, so last that's week, Tim, <laughs> Tim did really well, actually. Very good. Um, under Underappreciated with two people there, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> I would have got a better reaction if there was four, but hey-ho. Um, Tim got eight, so did all right. Got um, one correct one, which was the Bournemouth Wolves game. So he was right to go with Wolves. Uh, and then he got five like correct sort of results, but not the correct scores. You did really well in terms of your scores. You got thirteen, but um, obviously you know this already. I'm acting like I'm revealing this for the first time, but you know it already. <laughs> so you got the Bournemouth game bang on. You got the Crystal Palace Liverpool game bang on. You got the Leeds game bang on, and then you also got the Spurs game and um, Bristol City and Leicester and Huddersfield right, even though they weren't the correct results. So thirteen points. I end up with six, which is not great, but then I've got two correct scores, which I'm I'm always more proud when I get the right yeah. score rather than a result. Because it's like, oh yeah, I've never had that. <laughs> um, so yeah, so in terms of the score at the minute, we're looking at Tom is still just about hanging on to the lead on 90. And then you've got yourself three points behind on 87. So it's closing cool. in. And then I'm in third on 80. So it's sort of like closed up again at the top. Thank you, Tom. Um, and then Tim is um, a bit behind on 67, but like I say, he's, he's sort of, we discussed this off air a minute ago. He is going to have to start going a bit left field to catch up. And yes, it's definitely is. something I do. On um, When I do Super 6, like in the league I'm in, I will often have like a random week when I just go for the all of the underdog results. Because if it comes off, you feel like an absolute dog. And you can make up about 15 points on uh, one person, but um, it doesn't often work like that, unfortunately. So let's have a look in terms of this week then. So we've got what can only be described as a mixture. A mixture. <laughs> oh, oh no. Only one Premier League, only one Premier League game, some FA Cup games as well, which is obviously returns this weekend um before the second round and the second round. And then obviously you've got the third round draw on Monday where all the big boys get put in. And we've got also a couple of championship games as well. So run through them very quickly and then we'll obviously get your opinion, Danny, and then I can go through uh, mine and Tim's as well. Still waiting on Tom. So if you want to forget for a second week, mate, feel free. <laughs> um, so we've got Barnsley against Hull on the first game. Now, you weren't particularly happy, Danny, because Hull let you down last week and let all of us down, actually, I, I believe, because they just about managed to get a draw against Middlesbrough, but a lot of us predicted a win. So what are you going for this week? As much as my pettiness towards Hull, Barnsley are really bad. <laughs> And they're bottom of the table. So uh, I'm going to go for a 1-0 Hull win, but it doesn't make me feel good. 
<laughs> so you're again like you're, you're hanging on to these grudges a bit too long like it's all <laughs> good like saying like oh yeah fair enough they let me down last week but i think you're going back like eight weeks in, in, into the past i mean it, blackburn you do need to let bygones be bygones yeah <laughs> it's not that it's not their fault um okay so one nil away win okay i have also gone for an away win I'm a bit sceptical on this new manager of Barnes's, to be honest. I've got him from Austria, and I'm a little bit not sure. So I think Barnsley will probably come up a little bit short against Hull. So I've gone for a 2-1 um, away win. Tim's also gone for a 2-0 away win, so we're all on the same page with that. Um, Classic next- history teacher. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> Very don't good. Tr- I don't trust him. He's from Austria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I've, learned, I've learned that the hard way. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I just don't like. I quite like the idea that they've gone for someone a bit random rather than just going for like a classic English faces. But like, I don't know. I just don't know enough about him or about how he plays and stuff. Cause obviously, like being from Austria, like don't really watch a lot of Austrian football. Um, so we will see how that one goes. So Birmingham Millwall. Then we'll stay in the Championship. For the next one. Um, give you a bit of context first. I've gone for a one nil Birmingham win purely because home form Birmingham is not actually too bad. Um, and they're more likely to win home games than to lose them in terms of like their recent form. Um, so, and Millwall, again, always been a bit dodgy on the road, even with, again, obviously they've got Gary Rowett now. Um, but Tim's gone for a 2-1 away win. So going for an away win, which is a shock. Um, <laughs> so what um, what is your opinion on this, Danny? I've gone for a one-all draw. Both teams like to ship goals and don't score too many. So I've gone for a one-all draw. Okay, so we've got three different ones there. That'd be interesting. Um, next one then is, again, Championship. So we've got Charlton Sheffield Wednesday. And again, me and Tim have disagreed. So Tim has gone again for a 2-1 away win. <laughs> this is, there's a theme here again. Um, I've gone for a 2-1 home win. And then, Danny, are you going to break the uh, stalemate? You know what? I think I might go draw again. Charlton thing is though Charlton have looked really bad they started the season really well but they really missed Lyle Taylor yeah that's fair I mean they got a pretty poor result against Luton on well mm. last night I was going to say the other night but it was literally 24 hours ago ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, I genuinely don't know whether to go 1-1 on this or go for a 1-0 away win you know what fuck it I'm going with the hunch 1-0 away win interesting so that was the hunch last week that didn't pay off when we did the 1-0 away win involving Charlton yes so <laughs> never mind <laughs> Um, moving on then we'll go down to, into our first um, sort of like looking for the FA Cup so we've got Eastley against Dave Artel's crew he's back once again always seems to be when it's just me and you that we talk about Dave Artel we've got <laughs> a little bond that we have over Dave Artel just straight back in the pod top of the running order everyone's just automatically busy Um, so Eastley against Crew. so I'm going to be honest I don't watch a lot of the National League but I know enough about Crew to suggest that I think Crew should absolutely piss this (laughs) so I'm going for a relatively comfortable 2-0 away win Uh, Tim's gone for a 3-1 away win what about you Danny? Uh, yeah I'm going to go for a Crew win as well I like Eastley but they're very mixed in the National League so I'm going to go with a 4-1 away win comfortable for Crew. (laughs) The way you said it there, you thought it was going to be like, I thought you were going to say like 1-0. Like, <laughs> I'm just going to go for a sort of small 4-1 away win. <laughs> um, fair enough. At least you've gone, like I say, you've gone big or go home. Um, 
so the next game then again sticking with the um sticking with the FA Cup we've got Macclesfield against Bradford is that in the FA Cup or is that in the league that's, that's a good a, question that's a fantastic <laughs> question let's let's because I believe look. there are a few games that are going on in the league because they've been already tipped out of the cup that is a and I believe yeah I'm going to say I believe Macclesfield got done over by uh, Kingstonian. I remember watching that on the highlights because they put like a team of 18-year-olds out and they got absolutely minced. <laughs> oh, I love yes. that. I love that. That's the magic of the FA Cup. So because of that, I've gone for 4-1 to crew. Classic. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, classic. Like, well, anything can happen, 4-1 win. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, so that's the league game then. So obviously that's a little bit different in terms of the um, what's on offer. Um, what are you thinking, Danny? I reckon they'll both be really upset that it's not an FA Cup game. So it'll be quite a boring game. 1-0 Bradford. Maybe they'll forget. <laughs> like, are we in the Cup now? Do we go straight to penalties? And then it's just like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well done, guys. You fucked yourselves. Um, I've gone for a one all draw there purely because, again, I think that both teams are maybe a bit low on energy and it might be a little bit, a little bit of a shitter. Um, also, Tim's gone for a three-two Macclesfield win there. So again, we've gone, we've gone for dissenting scores, he, he, all three of us. So that's at least going to mean that some people are going to get points and others aren't because we're not all just going for like a home win or a, a draw or whatever. However, I think we're all going to go for an away win next game, which is Newcastle against Man City. What oh. are you thinking for this only Premier League game on the ticket? So uh, Sergio Aguero obviously injured, so not in. So I don't think Man City will score as many goals. Uh, just six nil for me. No, just <laughs> just <laughs> yes, yes. think they'll get over the line. <laughs> uh, you know what? Newcastle have looked all right against the bigger team, so I think they'll they'll make life hard for City. And obviously, Aguero missing might might be good or, or bad for City. And City have those defensive issues. I still think City will win. I'm I'm gonna go three nil. I I just don't think Newcastle will score, but. Yeah, it, it could have been more if Aguero was in, I think. Interesting. So Tim's gone on the same line as you. He's gone as a 4 0 win away from home. Very nice. Um, I I agree with what you just said there in terms of I can't remember the last time that Newcastle took a proper battering from a, a big team. Yeah. Well, obviously they they quite famously beat Man City last year two one in the league at St James Park. So I think that's a lot to be said for them. And obviously they've got results this year as well. They beat Tottenham at what um at Whitehall Lane, obviously that was a game where Tottenham didn't play very well, but obviously Newcastle sort of did what they needed to do in that game. So that was quite good for them. Um, I've gone for a 2-1 Man City win purely because I think, like I say, they will, Newcastle will have chances from like set pieces and stuff. I can't imagine they're going to dominate possession, but they never would do anyway. So I think they've got enough to trouble Man City, especially like I say, Man City still having the problems in terms of like injuries and stuff and not having a settled back four. I think that could play into Newcastle's hands a little bit. Agreed. Well, we shall see. So Oldham against Burton. Now I know this is a FA Cup game because they are in two different divisions. <laughs> no, normally the key giveaway. <laughs> no need to look at this one. Um, so I've gone for a 3-0 Burton win purely because I think Oldham are quite shit. Therefore, <laughs> I think yeah. that's going to be a pretty big tell there and I don't think they're going to do much in terms of their... Um, in terms of the sort of like FA Cup. Um, so what are you thinking, Danny? I also think Oldham are pretty shit, but I was looking a little bit earlier doing some research. They've only lost one of their last five games in the league. So they'll probably be coming into it with a bit of 
renewed vigor and thinking hey, it's the cup anything can happen so i'm going to go for a replay 2-2 oh you've matched tim there in that case he's also gone for a 2-2 draw it's bang on that's, the same that's usually a bad thing <laughs> <laughs> so moving back up into the championship then from the next one stoke blackburn michael o'neill's stoke now of course which is hmm. another managerial change for them um i've passing on for a 2-1 stoke win purely because i think again they're they seem to be on the right course in terms of they had a good win, like an important win, probably not like the best, but like they had an important win in terms of their um, midweek. They beat Wigan 2-1, and I think they've got enough to probably do the same against Blackburn. Tim's gone for a 2-0 Blackburn win, so he's gone a little bit off the beaten track. What about you, Danny? I'm, uh, I'm showing my allegiances to where I did some university time. 1-0 Stoke. University time sounds like I was in prison. No, it wasn't. I mean, that. it was, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it was Stoke. I lived next to a crack house. <laughs> <laughs> that's just like, that's like what the mayor does in Stoke as well. That's not staying in. <laughs> no, nah, fair enough. <laughs> can't, blame, can't blame a guy for trying. <laughs> <laughs> Libel the mayor of Stoke. It's wonderful. No, no, I'm just saying he lives, I'm just saying he lives next to a crack house. Oh, that's, that's, oh, that's fine. That's staying in then. That's no oh, fantastic. Just if any if anyone wasn't sure, I said he lives next to <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> right, getting back to the glamour game, which is Walsall Oxford. Um <laughs> nice <little segment. laughs> Oh, well played. <laughs> Thank you. Fuck me. What um, for that? That is that's a, not a game I want to talk about. No. The only the only positive is Oxford seemed pretty lively going forward at the minute. So I've gone for them to win two one purely again because I don't rate Walsall much. So again, that's more of a comment on the one team rather than the other. I think like that seems to be a lot of my predictions as well. Like, I think one team is absolutely terrible and the other team isn't too bad. <laughs> that's usually <laughs> where I get most from. Um so yeah, I've gone for a two one when Tim's gone for a three one Walsall home win, so that's rare enough for him. Um what about you, uh Danny? Well, uh, I'm just going again for random weird pettiness. I've only seen Oxford play once this season and they absolutely thumped West Ham, so I'm gonna go for a four nil Oxford win. Ooh, so you've gone again. You've gone big. <laughs> I no do like it. Doubting, you don't have to go big twice. You, you, no one was <laughs> doubting the first time. But, um, I appreciate the uh, appreciate the effort. Um, last game then, which is Wigan against Reading. So again, I've gone for a narrow one nil Wigan win purely because, like I said, they're a completely different team when they play at home compared to away. So I think they could get a, a sneaky little result there. Tim's gone for a two all draw. What about you to finish it off, Danny? Uh, I was at Reading versus Leeds yesterday, and it was a game I'd rather forget. Literally, nothing happened until Leeds scored in the eighty third minute. Um, it was quite, both teams were really good defensively and Reading actually didn't look too bad, but they just looked so lacklustre going forward. So I was going to go with, I was umming and ahhing 1-0 or 2-0 to Wigan. And seeing as you've gone 1-0, I'm going to go 2-0 just to, just to see if I can edge out a three-point. Yeah, like I say, it's getting to that point now, where isn't it? Where it's like, oh, um, should we <laughs> yeah. try and get a little bit of a, a random score just to get a couple of points on the... On everyone else, but yeah, that's um, seems like sound logic there. Okay, so well, basically, I've called it sound logic because I've done the same. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, we we shall feedback obviously as we do. I will 
I, to be fair, we did talk about this before. I, I did actually message Tom and say, oh, make sure you get your predictions in. Um, and he, did, he didn't because he wasn't in the country. So hopefully he will remember this week because otherwise it could turn start to turn ugly in terms of his mood. Um, and then we'll, <laughs> notice a visible, we'll notice a visible change next time he's on. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. And then obviously we will feed back as we do later in the week. Not to turn this podcast into a where's Tom this week, like some sort of kids TV show. He's in Poland with business this week. So come on, that slight time difference. Hopefully that fucks him over again. Come on, the two hour time difference. <laughs> get, gets, to, gets to half past five on Saturday and goes, oh, shitters. <laughs> Not again. Um, but yeah. as always, um, you can get involved. Game time underscore pod on Twitter or game time podcast one at gmail.com. I'll post the games on there again and I'll post last week's scores as well uh, and the order because it's getting to the point where it's getting a bit tactical now and um, we're only a few games away from the halfway stage so that will be a quite an interesting pod to do. As always, we finish our podcast with some talking points. Ryan, have you got anything weird, wonderful or interesting from the world of football you want to share? Um, yeah, we sort of talked about this briefly off air in terms of the Everton-Norwich game which was... Um... We talked about on, well, I said just before we started this, um, the fact that obviously the game itself, which was quite uneventful apart from obviously the two Norwich goals towards the end, I think is fair to say. Um, Dennis Savaney, the the sort of the striker, he's sort of Norwich is probably, if I'm being kind, probably their third or fourth choice striker at the minute, but managed to get his first goal, um, which was obviously good for him on um on the, the weekend but the problem is it's one of the scrappiest debut goals in the Premier League you will ever likely to see <laughs> it really was sort of like it wasn't very pretty to watch like sort of like trips over <laughs> sort of like loses the ball gets tackled ball comes back to him manages to sort of bundle it past Jordan Pitford but fair play to him like I say I would be equally as buzzing as he was to not only get your first goal in the Premier League but also to make sure it ensures you get a good away win against like what is fast turning into like a relegation rival at the minute. So um, yeah, it was quite interesting in terms of like that. Just like the case, of, I was trying to wrap my brain to think of like who has scored a worst debut goal in the Premier League. And I honestly can't think of any ones that took off the top of my head, at least like debut goals. Obviously I've seen scrappier goals, but like just in terms of like your first moment, you always want it to be like a 30 yarder or like a volley or something or like a last minute penalty, but not like a little shitty effort like that. <laughs> I mean, I know it wasn't in the Premier League, but um, Javier Hernandez's debut goal for Man United was him kicking the ball into his own face in the uh, Community Shield against Chelsea. Yeah, I think we can count that. That's big enough. Like, it's not like he played it in like a friendly against like something from America. I think we can count that. I think I, I, that's a good, it's a good example. I completely forgot about that. Like I said, because it's the champ, because uh, it was the Charity Shield. I completely forgot about that. But yeah, that's a that's a good shout. Um, any others? Like I say, answers on a postcard, please. Um, any yes. of the scrappiest first goals you're ever likely to see? I mean, like one that pops in my head from like a Spurs point of view wasn't necessarily scrappy, just sort of more unexpected in terms of um, Eric Dyer in Pochettino's first game. Like he sort of like found himself up front and yeah. then got played and then rounded the goal in. It seemed to take about four years for the ball to go in, <laughs> um, which is funny. But um, yeah, that was just more a sort of random. Like, what the fuck's he doing there? Um, rather than more of a case of like, oh, it's quite shit. But um, yeah, that'd be a good that'd be a good topic. I'll have to have a word with the other boys when we come back as a full full um, compliment and see what they think as well. Yeah, definitely. That'll be an, 
that'd be a nice little uh, special episode where we can put some uh, some other like flashback Friday slash throwback Thursday things in there as well. Don't know why I started talking in weird hashtags. Uh, <laughs> um, what about what about you? Have you noticed anything weird or wonderful over the last, I suppose, eight days or seven days since we last spoke? Uh, one thing that came from the Manchester United Sheffield United game, Duncan Alexander, who if you don't follow him on Twitter, you're missing out at Oily Sailor. Um, he's basically a stat- statistician at Opta, and the way he puts stats across is just wonderful. Like they're never just boring. Like this man scored like 27 goals in his last eight appearances. It's always something interesting. And uh, this week he said Mason Greenwood is the first player younger than iTunes to score a Premier League goal. Really struggle with the word goals there, didn't you, mate? Goal. Goal. <laughs> goal. <laughs> it's like, it like hearing you say it for the very first time. <laughs> it's a scrappy debut goal. Um, yeah, he, uh, it was his first goal, actually, in the, uh, in the Premier League. But yeah, absolutely incredible. Very nice. yeah. I can only think of the word goal now. I can't read any other words. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah that was um that was a good one yeah i've noticed some of some of his stats before like sort of always random like bits like you say like oh so and so he's the first person to be scored to score a goal since the ps1 was on the market or something like that or like the first the first person to score since like the whatever like so and so and so um passed this law or whatever it's always something quite weird and wonderful but i like that sort of stuff so yeah it's very on brand for me the best excellent the best, sorry to, to cut in, the best thing as well is I've just looked at the top comment and someone's gone, what about Williams? He is younger. And, and Duncan's just replied, well, evidently not. And this guy's gone, but they're both 18 though. Does this man know how birthdays work? <laughs> it's how many days as well. After <laughs> it's not just like, oh, they're both 18. Well, they're exactly the same age. Yeah. What a... Uh... Well, I think to argue about as well. That's great. So, so petty. So petty. Um, have you got anything else before we uh, we round it off? Um, not particularly, no. In terms of, like I say, weird and wonderful stuff, I've not really had the chance to uh, sort of look over stuff. But like I say, the Sabani thing I thought was shit enough to count as two. Oh, 100%. 100%. Have you got um, anything, anything else? Uh, one very weird one that literally, I know we said we weren't going to mention the Champions League, but we've done it enough. In the youth Champions League today, Liverpool played Napoli and they got penalty. And uh, the young guy, is it Curtis Jones, scored the penalty. And the camera pans to him as he's walking back to the halfway line, obviously following his celebration. And he just shouts at Harvey Elliott. And the camera stays on him the whole time. And he goes something along the lines of, I'm lip reading, but he goes, hey, Harvey, Harvey, shut your mouth or I'll take the next one as well. I was just wondering. Nice. <laughs> good God, that's aggressive. It's also really good as well because, like I say, they probably won't get as many, uh, like a capacity crowd at those. So you could probably actually, if you found the right order, you could probably hear him say that. <laughs> like, yeah. actually, like physically hear him say it across the pitch. Oi, Harvey, you wanker. <laughs> you, you top not twat. Um, yeah, that was the last talking point. There was one thing as well that, that we mentioned we'd talk about at the top of the show, and I thought I'd leave it to the end because it gives us an opportunity to talk about all the other weird and wonderful stuff. Uh, managerial sackings, obviously none have happened, but there's a few on on the horizon, I guess. Marco Silva, Manuel Pellegrini, 
couple that are in trouble. And you had another one that you thought was in trouble as well, who I can't remember because I've got to write down. You know, Emery. That's the man. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just think like it's getting to that point of the season where people are going to start questioning managers and like say it's getting to the point where like maybe pre-season targets haven't been hit obviously we've already seen it with Pochettino and he was supposedly one of the people with like quite a safe job in sort of quotation marks probably um so and like I say it, it sort of opened my eyes a little bit in terms of like it does seem like it's a bit more open now in terms of like the um I don't know like people's job security um you could probably only say there's probably about three or four managers in the Premier League that are, are, are nailed on like would never would not be sat unless they someone else came in for came in for them sort of like for a bigger or better job. You've probably got like Deitch, um, Eddie Howe, Brendan Rogers at the minute, and then probably Chris Wilder. They're all the people that are probably like they've got like a pretty nailed on job. Like they're not going to be going anywhere anytime soon. Everyone else you could probably make an argument for is either going to be a bad runner form away from getting the sack, or just in general not really performing as well as they should do. Um, and it was quite interesting to see um, Nuno, the Wolves boss, who was um, linked with the Arsenal job if Emery was to be sacked, which has been sort of like talked about recently, especially by a lot of Arsenal fans. Um, and then you've got West Ham and Everton, like I say, and both of those clubs have been linked with a return to David Boyce. So it's very much a sack race in terms of who can sack the manager first and then appoint Moyes so the other one can then sack the manager and get someone else in. <laughs> a lovely love triangle of who wants David Moyes more yeah. I think it's I think the answer to that is no one yeah <laughs> but like it, whoever actually goes and um, sacks their manager first will then get him yeah and then after that the other person can then go oh it's fine okay we can get rid of him Moyes is now off the table <laughs> we can now go and get a manager with a decent managerial record in the last few years yeah it's not someone who's seemingly gone from like disaster to disaster yeah, no, I, I, to be fair, you mentioned Nuno to Arsenal. That would be such a good move with the way that he gets his sides playing. I mean, Ruben Neves is instantly making like a 35, 40 million pound move. Probably more than that, straight to Arsenal if that happens. But I think oh, yeah, all of the Wolves players. <laughs> the whole, well, he just gets rid of everyone apart from Aubameyang and Lacazette. And it's just like, all right, Wolves team, in we come. Yeah, Matt Doherty, here we go. <laughs> oh, Matt Doherty would be absolute gravy in that team, to be fair. He's gravy in any team. All right, enough yeah. about gravy because I'm getting hungry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, I think that's going to about do it for this week, mate. Hopefully we will have some managerial sackings to report on to make us look like smart asses. Yes. By um, this time next week. You will see the uh, Game Time Twitter account just be full of managerial sacking announcements um, from other people, those <laughs> retweets and likes if it does happen. Oh, just so. We absolutely love it. Thank you very much, Ryan, for, for joining me. Hopefully we'll have the other two back when they are free again. Yeah, pleasure always, mate. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. Remember, you can like, rate, subscribe, do all that jazz and whatever you listen to our podcast on, Spotify, iTunes, all of that. You can get in touch, gametime underscore pod on Twitter or gametimepodcast1 at gmail.com. Coming up in a few weeks' time as well, say a few weeks, about Christmas time, we will have the halfway stage of the predictions that we did at the beginning of the season. We'll see how those are going because I was reading over them the other day and some very interesting things, especially the tables. We'll have those for you in another couple of weeks. But until then, see you later. Oh, fuck, I forgot about those. (laughs) 